I invite you to find Psalm 119 in your Bible. Psalm 119 is really, really long, but we have limited ourselves to only verses 9 through 16. We have taken uh, this summer to do a special study together um, on the subject of sexual purity. We'll have one more Sunday after this one on the subject. That'll be next week. Verses 9 through 16 hold together as one uh, thought unit, all on the subject of purity. And so we've been working methodically through this little section. And um, we'll continue with that today. Before we get into that, um, I've got a a slide that'll pop up here in a minute. I thought this would be a good time to provide a couple of additional resources to you, or at least direction on how you could find um, a little more help in this area if you are interested. I've got the names of a couple of books up here. Um, Those of you who feel like, boy, I could really use further study in this area, wanted you just to have a couple of resources you could go to that you know are trustworthy and will approach this issue of sexual purity um, from a biblical perspective. And um, these resources that you see listed up here are in use right now by some of the most well-known parachurch organizations um, that are using these to help their staff in this area. So there are believers right now working through these resources. And we will also um, have these Uh, two books posted in the comments on our Facebook live stream. So if you're not able to catch the names right now, you can go back and find the live stream later and grab the names of these, either for yourself or someone that you know that could use a little extra help um, in this area of their lives. And we all get to that point where we need extra help somewhere, okay? So make use of these resources um, if this will be good for you. Now, regarding our study uh, in the scriptures, I've got another slide that's going to pop up here in a minute. I felt like this would be a good day to review together where we have been to keep all these things straight in our mind as we go to the fourth part of our answer, and especially for those of you who are only able to pop in occasionally this summer. So posted there at the top is the question we've been talking about for uh, four weeks now. How can any of us keep our way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? And we have noted several times that it's not just one thing. It's not just one simple answer given to us. It's rather a a multi-stranded answer. It's really a, a total renovation of our life. And we talked about our posture. That's verses 9 and 11, how we're to take the posture of a guard and of a student in this area. Talk next about our affections and giving our hearts to something truly beautiful, giving our hearts to Christ in the atonement. We talked last week about our activity, what we do with our time and feeding on the word. That was verses 12 and 14. We're going to talk next Sunday about our resolve. And we hit verses 15 and 16, we read over and over again, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And we'll conclude next week by talking about that. 
And then you see uh, just above the bottom there, today, verse 10, we're talking about our dependence. That's today's subject. We're going to pick up that strand of what does it mean to depend on God in this area? What does that look like? What does that mean in this matter of sexual purity? We have to depend on God. That's part of the answer. And so today we're going to talk about what that means, okay? So let's read through verses 9 through 16. That will be good for us to do. And after we do that, we'll focus on just verse 10 today, all right? All right, let's stand and let's read God's word. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And Heavenly Father, um, I come to you along with this group of people in this room and watching online in so many ways, more ways than we know, desperate for the help that you can provide. We come to the scriptures believing that there are real answers here. And we thank you for providing them. And we, we need help in understanding what it means. We need help in processing what that might look like in our lives. We need help in making the decision to put it into practice. And Father, we know as we go that we need your empowering grace to make it a reality in our lives. And so we pray with great hope because we know this is not just a human endeavor, that this is a human divine project. It's both the Holy Spirit investing power through his indwelling presence in us. So thank you for that hope. Um, I pray for the Holy Spirit to be active now in the preaching, in the receiving, and in the application. All for Jesus' sake. For we ask in his holy name. Amen. Please be seated. As I said a moment ago, we're going to limit ourselves to only verse 10. Very simple statement there in verse 10. Let's notice two things about verse 10. This verse that reads, with my whole heart I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments. Our outline only has two points. We're only going to notice two things about it. The first thing we notice is that in verse 10 there is an admission of vulnerability. That's the first thing that we notice about verse 10 is that there's an admission of vulnerability there. Notice that even though there's this strong, confident statement, so strong, who who among us would ever think that we could say this, this statement, with my whole heart I seek you, that's a strong statement of fidelity to God, I'm seeking you with my whole heart, 
That's really bold. That's really impressive. That's a strong thing to say. Right after that, we also have this. Let me not wander from your commandments. So we have this really strong statement of fidelity immediately followed by this admission of vulnerability. When you say to God, let me not wander from your commandments, let me not wander, God, you are at least admitting the possibility, if not the probability, of wandering from those commandments. Wandering away from him. So isn't it instructive and isn't it interesting to see both of those statements right together, this really, really strong statement and then this really, really vulnerable statement. And in this passage, as you've noticed, and maybe to the chagrin of some of us listening, in this passage we have all of this effort commended to us. (laughs) Do this. Work hard at this. Take the right posture. Set your eyes on the right thing. Be active in the word. And I've been exhorting you, as the scripture has exhorted us, to work really hard in these areas. And next week we get to talk about resolve. We're going to preach to ourselves about what it means to make resolutions and be resolved in this area. We're talking about all this effort. We're trying We're working. We're taking a disciplined approach. On the one hand, there's all of this effort involved in daily sexual purity. And then on the other hand, we recognize also that alongside of that is this great recognition that even though I'm trying to be disciplined and I'm putting all these guards in my life, accountability measures, working on good habits, even though I'm doing all of this, there's this recognition that I am still vulnerable. Still exposed and prone to wander. We know that about ourselves. We're we're prone to get in Wrong states of mind, weird states of mind. We're prone to get fatigued. We're prone to self-pity. We're prone to rebellion. We're just so prone to sin. We never become unvulnerable. So we can't come to the end of this study and think, okay, if I just put these four things that we've been talking about, if I just do this, this, and this, like we talked about, then everything will be fine for the rest of my life. No, there remains a vulnerability to impurity, even if human effort is great and consistent and well-intentioned. We see that here in in verse 10. There is someone's heart that's fully set on God, but they're still prone to wander. So as we think about putting what 
we're learning here into practice. We want to avoid two extremes. First extreme that we want to avoid is thinking that in pursuing sexual purity, no human effort is required. Thinking that it just it all depends on God. I don't really have to do anything. Don't want to work hard. It's really just a matter of God doing something in my life. We want to avoid that extreme. On the other end of the spectrum, second extreme that we want to avoid is thinking that in pursuing sexual purity, only human effort is required. That I can do it all on myself. We want to avoid that extreme as well. Thinking that no human effort is required or that only human effort is required. The model that's given to us here in Psalm 119 is both great discipline and great dependence. Both. In the same life at the same time. Great discipline and great dependence. So you're working really, really, really hard and you're depending really, really, really hard. Now, if you are an engineer or in mathematics or in business or if your mind is just likes to calculate, that's going to be really tough for you because it sounds like a contradiction. We may not be able to figure out how the mathematics of that work to say it's great discipline and great dependence. What we would like to have happen is to have someone say, well, it's 75% God and 25% you, or it's 50-50. That's how this thing works. But this is not mathematics. This is really complicated, real life. It's great discipline and great dependence. And it may help us to think about a couple of examples to get our minds around how this actually works. So let's take a couple of examples of great discipline and great dependence working together. Let's take an example from the Bible. What would you say if I asked you, who in the New Testament is the foremost example of someone with great discipline? Besides Jesus, okay? Besides him, humanly speaking, not the God-man, but only a man, who is the human, full, who's the human, who's the non-Jesus person in the New Testament who exhibits the greatest personal discipline, okay? Think about that and answer that in your own mind. I've got another question for you. Who in the New Testament is the foremost example of someone who was greatly dependent on God? Who would you say in answer to that question? Now, we might have some lively debate on who those people might be, but I think there's a really good argument to be made that it's the same person. That it's the Apostle Paul, both. 
the person who exhibits the greatest personal discipline and the greatest dependence on God. He's the one that wrote, on the one hand, I subdue my body, I beat my body into submission, I discipline my body, and I keep it under control. That's the Apostle Paul. Incredible discipline. He's also the one, on the other hand, who wrote to the same church, the church in Corinth. He also wrote... My speech and my wisdom were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith may not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Same person. He didn't rely at all on his own charisma, in his own wisdom, in his speaking ability, completely dependent on God for his ministry. Didn't try to be impressive said, this is all up to God and the power of his word. And we, we know that what was true for him in that spiritual realm was, was also true in God's providence regarding his physical body. He had a problem. He had an ailment. We don't know what it was. He called it, he called it a thorn in the flesh. And he pleaded with God to take it away. And God said, no. I'm not taking it away. My grace is sufficient for you. You are going to be completely dependent on me. And that's the Apostle Paul too, this completely dependent one. Great discipline and great dependence in one person. It's not just Paul. I think that we can all identify this with our... um, thinking about our own lives a little bit in the way we approach our physical health. This idea of great discipline and great dependence in one person. Did you know that's in you too? It's true regarding your physical health. We, we give a lot of effort toward our physical health. We try to eat right. We try to sleep right. We do all these things to try to keep ourselves healthy. But we know in the end, we are utterly dependent on God for our physical health. We just are. Healthy people get cancer. Otherwise, healthy people have a heart attack. Otherwise, healthy people have Unexpected health issues pop up that no amount of exercise or right eating or rest would prevent. So, yeah, great effort involved, great discipline involved in physical health, but great dependence at the same time. And what we're saying is that sexual purity is the same. There is great discipline. And there is great dependence. There's great dependence because our flesh is too weak. And our adversary is too strong to rely on what we can do. So we're just admitting right now that try as we might, we're still vulnerable to impurity, along with great effort. Great dependence is needed. And now we're moving to our second observation, okay? In the second part of verse 10, we see the author praying along those lines. He lifts up a prayer. That's the second thing we notice. We see, first of all, an admission of vulnerability. And we see, secondly, a prayer of dependence. 
And I think we're all interested to know, okay, what does dependence on God look like in practice? Let's work in that direction. I think we all agree that that's a good idea, but what does it look like? How do I do that? Let's work in that direction by saying three things about this idea of dependence on him, okay? These are going to be pretty brief, but I also think that these will be probably the most enjoyable things that we talk about in this whole study. These three things that we get to name about dependence on God, because now we get to take our eyes off of ourselves and what we can do, and we get to focus on what God does. All right? So let's do that. It's so good to be dependent on him in this area of life related to sexual purity. Three things about dependence on God in this area. First of all, God wants to be depended on. Always start with God. Always start with who he is and what he wants. He wants to be depended on. If we evaluate what we see from God in the scriptures, one of the things that we have to say about this God that we worship is that he loves to put his people in situations where they have to depend on him, big time. In situations where they face these really, really long odds, even impossible odds, so he can show off how powerful he is. So that not just his people can see it, but all the nations can see it. We could list all kinds of examples that we see in the scriptures. We think about the nation of Israel trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. They're between those two places. Where are they going to go? Where are they going to go if God does not show up? We think about Gideon and his army and how God dwindled those numbers down to the absolute bare minimum till there's only 300 left. They take on this army that numbers like the sand on the seashore. All these impossible situations, all these long odds, David and Goliath, Later in the history of Israel and Judah, these huge armies come against the nation of Judah. God's people don't know what to do. All they can do is lift their eyes up to him. We see these kings, the noble ones, lift their eyes up to God and say, there's nothing we can do. We are helpless against this great army. And it's just then that we see God come and deliver them. He is often telling his people, just stand back and watch. And see the salvation of God. He's teaching, God's teaching his people about dependence. And then we come to the Sermon on the Mount, especially Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is unfolding this beautiful life of dependence on God. Don't give any thought to what you will eat or drink or wear. Your heavenly father knows that you need these things. We have this really simple, beautiful dependence set before us. That's what life with God is supposed to look like. The Bible presents us with this God. He is a God that wants you to depend on him. 
Okay? That's the first, that's the first thing about dependence. Here's the second. Brothers and sisters, sexual purity is an opportunity to depend on God. There's a lot of things that we could say about the subject. One of the things we can say for sure is that it is an opportunity to depend on God. So let's reframe the pursuit of purity for just a minute, okay? Let's reframe it in our minds. And let's reframe it this way. It is a daily opportunity to depend on God. And for many maybe even for most, perhaps for you, it may feel like a dependence on God against all odds. It may feel like an impossible odds dependence. Just the kind of situation that God delights to have brought before him, one of his children up against long odds, even impossible odds, Many of you may feel that way about your struggle to live a pure sexual life before God because the allure of doing what ought not be done is so strong. The temptation is is so strong that you may feel like you're up against impossible odds as you think about avoiding that temptation. Maybe we're talking about pornography. Maybe we're talking about same-sex attraction. Maybe we're talking about getting involved with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe we're talking about the allure of having an affair. All of these things um, could be present and probably are present. The sexual drive can be so strong that you may feel helpless against its power. Like, it's just, it's just a losing battle. I'm not even going to try. I simply want to take those feelings of despair and hopelessness and reframe them as an opportunity to depend on this God who loves to be depended on. There it is for you, a situation in your life where you know that you cannot win unless God shows up. And let's face it, most of us don't have many of those situations in our lives where we know that we can't win unless God shows up. We just don't live desperately dependent Most people listening to this right now are going through their life thinking that they've got it pretty well handled on their own. You know, if God does not show up in my life today, that's really not going to be a big deal because I really didn't need him to show up to do anything for me. It won't really matter if he doesn't intervene because I'm kind of going through life okay. I've got it handled. And we're just asking ourselves the question, is that how we want to go through life? Not really ever needing God to show up? Do we really want to live in a non-dependent way? 
For most of us American Christians, there is a great disconnect between the Christian life and the way that we live. We value independence so highly, both personal independence and corporate independence. It's such a high value for us being independent, not dependent on anyone. That's such a high value that we easily and even totally lose sight of the very simple reality that the Christian life is, first of all, a dependent life. How dependent is it? You can't receive the kingdom unless you enter as a little child. You have to become as a little child, completely dependent in order to enter enter the kingdom of God. The goal of the Christian life is not to advance so far that we don't need God anymore. The goal is not to get so good at doing all of this stuff that we're talking about that we just get to forget about God and not really need him anymore. That's not the goal. The goal is just the opposite. The goal is a growing dependence, a a growing realization of how very much we need God, a greater understanding that in spite of all my best efforts, in spite of everything I'm trying to put into practice in my life, I am sunk unless the grace of God holds me up. That's the goal, to realize just how dependent we are on God. And purity in our thought life and in our bodies is an opportunity. It's quite an opportunity to be dependent on God, which is how we are meant to live with him. We're used to thinking of purity as a struggle And as a fight, and in a certain way of thinking, it is a struggle and a fight. But in another sense, it is an opportunity that leads us to the life that we should have been living all along, the life where God is necessary. The life where God is necessary for me and for you. Okay, third thing and main point of application Quick review. God wants to be depended on, first of all. Secondly, sexual purity is an opportunity to depend on God. Thirdly, main point of application, put it into practice. Glorify God with prayers of dependence. That's what we can go and put into practice, that we go and glorify this God who wants to be depended on with prayers of dependence. We can be breathing up these prayers throughout the day. This is the seed that I want to plant in your mind on the basis of Psalm 119, where this author just offers up this prayer from the core of their being. Lord, let me not wander from your commandments. These are the things that we can offer to God. We can say things to God throughout the day, like, God, I am so vulnerable right now. God, I feel my own weakness and inability. 
God, I know that you require purity, but I do not have the strength to offer you what you require. I do not feel it in myself right now. I feel all of that strength sliding away. Let me not wander from your commandments. I'm depending on you. Save me. You can pray to God at the beginning of your day. God, would you make this home? Would you make this office? Would you make this mind of mine a pure place today? Would you, would you please do that, Father? Would you take my home, my office, my mind, and make it a pure place today? A place that's fit for the worship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? It's so good to enter into your day dependent. It's so good for us. And let me just remind you of this one thing. Let me just remind you that we have already been dependent on God for our purity. God has already shown up for us in our lives to answer that prayer. If you are a believer in Christ, I want you to know God has already invested great power to make you pure. He did that by sending his own son to take the cross and die for you so you could be forgiven of your sins. So, Christian, you have been completely cleansed from all of your sin. You are pure positionally before God. He has already done that cleansing work, and you are clean in Jesus. God has done that for you. So let me ask you this question. If God has already invested that kind of power to make you pure, if he's already shown himself willing to give his own son to cleanse you and give you the gift of purity, what will he not do for you now when you ask him for that gift? Will he not also bring all of the power of heaven to bear on your life, in your heart, in your mind when you ask him to do that for you. He's already given his son to make it happen. What more can he give? Glorify God with wonderful prayers of dependence. It's one strand of our answer that we live lives of great discipline and great dependence. It's both. Now, I've been talking to Christians. And if you're not a Christian, I want to to thank you for coming. I want to thank you for listening. But I know that you just have to be baffled right now. Why would these people spend so much time talking about this subject when no one else in the world cares? And I just want to thank you for being here and for listening. And I want you to know the reason that we care about this so much is that there was a man who was crucified for us when it should have been us dying. He had done nothing wrong, and he stepped into our place, and he was mocked and stripped and flogged and nailed to a cross to pay for our sin. And his name is Jesus, and he was not just a man. He was also the Son of God. And he did not stay dead. He rose again on the third day, showing that sin and death do not have the final say, but that God is renewing 
the whole world. And he has begun with Jesus. And we have placed our faith in him. And we're following him now. And his kingdom is very different from the kingdom of this world. It's a countercultural kingdom. It's a kingdom where enemies are loved and enemies are prayed for. It's a kingdom where meekness is a virtue. It's a kingdom where the poor are cared for and exalted and the lofty and the wise and the rich are brought low. It's a kingdom where all nations and all peoples are equal, of equal value before God. It is a kingdom where the first are last and the last are first. And I want you to know that you were invited to that kingdom as well. You were invited to follow him. And you can do that right now, right where you are. You can submit to Jesus in your heart, placing your faith in him. He will forgive every sin. You cannot be bad enough and you cannot have done so much evil that Jesus will not receive you. He promises that he will never turn anyone away. And you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to do anything special except bow before Jesus in your heart and say, I give my life to you. Because he died for you too. And you can know him. And you're invited to know him. And you're invited to join a community of people that's following him. And we're going to help each other. And we're going to take the good news to the community all around us, like we talked about earlier in the service. We want Jesus for you. And we beg you in the name of Christ to be reconciled to God through Jesus today. Let's pray together. Father, all of this is for you. All of this is for your wonderful son. You are holy, and you have said to your people, be holy as I am holy. We express our complete dependence on you. Left to ourselves, we will fail immediately. But we, as a people, take time here at the end to treasure the gift of the Holy Spirit, to treasure our opportunity to pray prayers of dependence on you and then watch as you deliver and as you care for us and as you bind up and heal and comfort and pick us up and dust us off and say once again to us, follow me. Thank you for the gift of Jesus, and we pray in his holy name. Amen.